You are listening to Seeds of Revolution, Daughters of the Whirlwind Podcast. The, the revolution, revolution is, is live. live. All right. So I'm Dr. Asante Wasuni Ali. And I'm Aisha T. Obafemi. And Princess Madaya is out today handling some very important matters on the land. So you won't be hearing her voice today. Um, but this episode, we're diving right into a very important conversation. And we're excited to introduce to you our special guest, a pioneer, respected luminary, media resource, entrepreneur, and ancestor advocate, Dr. Gina Page, who in 2003 co-founded African Ancestry, pioneering a new way of tracing African lineages, using genetics, and a new marketplace for people of African descent looking to more accurately and reliably trace their ancestry. Dr. Page has been featured in hundreds of media outlets. She travels around the world demystifying African roots. She's worked with and revealed the roots of the world's leading icons and is a go-to resource for African diaspora communities, including embassies and government entities. There's so much more about Dr. Page, which we hope you, you will learn throughout this conversation today. But with that, we would like to welcome Dr. Gina Page. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How Good are morning. you? I'm so happy to be on here with you all. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> We're happy to have you. Yes, we are. And Thank during you. during this month of recognizing International Black Women's History, we are honored to speak with you about your vital work and the unique history that you've made. So we saw that this year African Ancestry celebrates 20 years. And can you believe it? Ye- yes. 20 <laughs> That's, years. Yeah. How, can you believe it? How do right. you feel about no. that? <laughs> so we want to know. Mm-hmm, we want to know, like, what um, are you most proud of about this journey? And, and what impact would you like to have over the next 20 years? It's it's hard to, to choose one thing to be most proud of, but I'll say the thing that has I, that I've been sitting with most recently is just the it's the basics the the basic impact that we've had. So over a million people now know black people now know where in Africa they come from because of our work. That means that. There are people who know the names of African countries. There are people who know the names of African ethnic groups or tribes. Mm -hmm. There are people who now understand that Africa is a continent and not a country. This Hmm. is a basic thing Mm -hmm. that I have taken for granted for my entire life. Um, We've enlightened scores of people on those basics, and and I'm very proud of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The other thing, if I could choose to, the other thing is just having maintained a, and grown a business for that long mm-hmm. and a business that is not mainstream, that is um, not popular, um, and that is focused on helping black people get something that they need rather than something that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. And you should be. Mm-hmm. 
quite an accomplishment. <laughs> what you. is the age range for consumers using African ancestry? You know, any we've tested people, we've tested babies up to somebody who's 104. So anybody of any age can take our test. But in terms of the people who seem to be the most interested in the work, I would say our people between the ages, first between the ages of 45 and maybe 64. Mm-hmm. And then the next most, um, the next largest group would be people 35 to 44. Okay. And so in what ways do you think we can get young people more involved? You know, I think it's just exposure, to be honest. Because young people are so, well, we all are heavily influenced by trends, but probably more, even more so when we're younger. I think it's just a matter of exposure and um, showing them they're, they're already engaged in, like, the music, right, and the fashion. Right. They, they're more and more exposed to Africa every day and see the similarities between our cultures through those two media. So if we can, if we were able to get in through that way, I think we'd be able to then show them how they can make their own personal, tangible connection to the continent. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that you've had an extensive kind of experience with um, various media outlets and um, like speaking to that exposure piece, because one of the follow up mm-hmm. questions I was going to ask you about, you know, celebrating the 20 years is how you were able to sustain the business. And I think that you responded to some of that through um, exposure. Right. And getting folks interested. Did you want to say any more yeah. about that? Yeah, I would say that it, it definitely has been the work of the ancestors, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, I hope that doesn't sound trite to people, but it really, really has been. The thing that put us on the map after being in business for 15 years mm-hmm. <laughs> was when Chadwick Bozeman was on The Breakfast Club and talked about his AfricanAncestry.com experience and how it impacted him. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really took off. And mm-hmm. so it was the com- convergence of the film, you know, the biggest film to impact us globally as black folks coming out with T'Challa himself, mm-hmm. with the platform like the, the Breakfast Club, with us being prepared and having only recently started doing Facebook ads all of those things came together at the same time. And, and that's not a coincidence, that's the ancestors. And then the other part of it is just the community and word of mouth. That's how we've grown and that's how we've sustained. Mm-hmm. People who've taken the test, who tell their friends, who invite us on their podcast like you all have, mm-hmm. who, um, you know, who go hard for us in the paint on social media, they have helped us to establish the credibility that is needed when you are doing this kind of work. That's so important. Uh, it really is a movement. Right. And, and when you're building a movement, as you all know, with Seeds of Revolution, you need the, the credibility that the community provides you mm-hmm. in order to, for people to even pay attention. In the face of these major players in the industry that came into the industry after we did, years after we did, that have tried to co-opt 
um, our messaging and our work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so with that, what do you think um, continues to distinguish African ancestry from other platforms and other kind of genetics testing um, companies? Mm-hmm. It, we, we, we stand apart from the other companies the same way today as we did in 2003 when we started. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, we stood apart when we started because they weren't there. But, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, you pioneered the, the thing, Right, exactly. The main thing today is that we don't sell or share our customers' genetic information. Mm-hmm. So we don't monetize our customers' DNA at all. Right. Like the other companies do. We don't sell it. We don't share it. We don't research it. We destroy it. Hmm. Which, from a business perspective, is probably, you know, your listeners would be questioning it. But from a cultural and a spiritual perspective, it's absolutely the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still, 20 years later, the only company that can give you a specific ancestry answers down to the present-day African country and ethnic group um, that you, your people came from before Georgia, before mm-hmm. Mississippi, before mm-hmm. Haiti, before Cuba, wherever, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're still the only black-owned, black-founded, black-funded, mm-hmm. black woman led company doing this work. So those are um, three of the main ways that we stand apart. And we're able to thrive because we have the largest collection of African DNA samples in the industry still. Mm. So. Wonderful, wonderful work. Yes. And when you talked about it, you know, it, it made me think about tracing our ancestry back yes. and, and doing that during the pandemic, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, was way a time. back in 2020. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I just felt I like it was that the time too, because you yeah. were waiting to be able to get your father's yes. to him. Yeah, yes. that was a that was a long wait, and you finally did it. It was like yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. But yeah, doing that was it. It, it meant everything. Like Amazing. it was coming back, and you know, finding out our tribe. So on our maternal line, um, we are the Takar mm-hmm. of Cameroon, Cameroon. Mm-hmm. and yeah, mm-hmm. it was it, it was amazing to mm-hmm. find that out. And you know, I can't wait to go to Cameroon and actually you know, get to meet meet some of the family. I know you were just in Cameroon too, Gina. I know I was about to say, and you know, you all know, but your listeners may not know that the T-Car are the artists and the artisans of the community. Mm. So I was not at all surprised <laughs> <laughs> when uh, your results came back T-Car. But yes, we were just there and uh, we were in many different regions where the T-Car people are present and thriving and you know, getting to see the culture and the impact is something that is going to be so transformative for you mm-hmm. when you have the chance to go. Hopefully you'll come with us. Yes. Oh, yes. We'll have to plan that. Let us know. <laughs> that would be amazing to do. So you talked about um, African ancestry being black woman led. And I know that you have had extensive travels um, all over the world and particularly on the continent of Africa. And in thinking about the theme of of this month of International Black Women's History, 
Um, could you talk about maybe some of the common threads that you've seen or noticed in your research or just in your experience in travel um, across mm-hmm. the lived experiences of black women? Um, like specifically, how do you see black women in the various places that you go continuing to make global history and also change? So in the places that I've traveled uh, across Africa specifically, there's so many similarities Mm -hmm. uh, between women across the African diaspora. I mean, we really are the same people Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the way we command presence when we are in social environments, political environments, Mm -hmm. business environments. Um, the way that we are maybe generally not the ones who are the leaders at the table, not the recognized leaders, I right. say, mm-hmm. um, but the ones who are making every single thing happen. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that is exactly the same. Um, and sometimes, you know, you think it might be because of the um, religious system other country or you know that it may there may be other reasons for it but it, it really doesn't matter because regardless of religion regardless of industry regardless of um social status mm-hmm, i would say mm-hmm. um we are if we're not the ones that are leading the meeting or leading the ministry um we are the ones who are making all of the things happen Mm -hmm. and that the leaders are, the male leaders are relying on. Um, I think I've, I don't think I know that when it comes to family, women are playing the exact same role. So I think in general, across the board, women are the one, are the ones that are pushing for change and making change happen, Mm -hmm. but often behind the scenes. Right, right, right. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, being foundational to all Mm -hmm. of these entities that that they're a part of. Thank you. So, Gina, I have a question for you. Why should Africans in the diaspora want to trace their African roots? Africans in the diaspora should want to trace their African roots because if you don't know where your roots are, if you don't know where you're from, then there's a humongous void in your understanding of yourself. Mm-hmm. And when we didn't have the knowledge, when we didn't have the ability to know specifically where we came from, we saw people who were just making decisions, like getting Swahili, giving themselves Swahili names, mm-hmm. for example, or just adopting a country and deciding that that's the country that they feel the uh, the, the most uh, the the country that resonates with them the most. They mm-hmm. feel the closest connection to and rocking with that. Um, but everybody else on this planet knows their roots. Mm-hmm. They can find their, and if they don't know them, they can figure them out from their last names. They can go on these sites. They can go into the archives and do the research. And we should do those things, too. 
But those tools aren't going to get us back to the essence of who we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And Africa is the has the most resources, mm-hmm. natural resources, human resources. Africa is the is the heart of the world. Mm-hmm. And those are our roots. Mm-hmm. We have roots in the most powerful land in the world. And you should, if you claim that ancestry, if you identify those roots, then you tap into a power that wouldn't be available to you otherwise. And those are the things that make us stand apart from the rest of the world. This Everything we do, I'm, <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent now, but let me just say this. <laughs> Go on. Everything that we use, everything that we study, everything that we enjoy mm-hmm. has its roots in Africa. Absolutely. And that's where we're from. Mm-hmm. So if everything started there, then that means we, but we by default, mm-hmm. are the most powerful people. Mm-hmm. And so if you tap into the, the details of that power, you'll be more successful in your, as a person individually. You'll be more successful in your family. You'll be more successful in your community. You, and so that's why they should do it. <laughs> yes. When you step back down and come back down. <laughs> <laughs> no, we up. appreciate that. We appreciate that. <laughs> and, and you know, in teaching Africana studies, that's one of the things that we, you know, make sure to impart to students, um, that learning about Africa is not just learning black history. You're learning world history. You're learning about, you know, civilizations that created, you know, the world as we know it, right? That That set a pace and set a standard. Um, that created, you know, the toothbrush, uh, you know, color therapy, like, you know, way right. back in um, ancient Kemet. So you're, you're absolutely right that it's even beyond the self-discovery. You're learning about, you know, you're enhancing your education about the world and how the world came to be. So thank and you And you for know that. what else? It's an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. This is our birthright that was stolen from us. And it was stolen from us for a, a very specific reason. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, the, the disconnection was intentional, and we're still disconnected. And that's why there's just so much craziness in our lives and in our world. And so we weren't supposed to know. Mm-hmm. And now we can. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you take back something that's stolen from you? When your identity is stolen, you fight to get it back. Mm-hmm. Well, our identities were stolen, and taking an AfricanAncestry.com test to find out your specific African roots is how you get your identity back. Absolutely. So we have a segment in our podcast entitled The People Want to Know. And uh, mm-hmm. it's where we kind of field questions from folks um, who just write into us with questions that they'd like us to answer. Um, so we have a few for you um, related to African ancestry. Um, okay, what do the people want to know? <laughs> <laughs> so the people want to know, is it real? And and how do people, so is it, the it is African ancestry, uh, the genetics testing, and how do people know that the findings are factual. Yes, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been here for 20 years. So obviously it's based on something. Our, our research, our scientific research, 
was peer reviewed in multiple science journals. And then we rely on DNA genetic testing for the veracity of so many other things mm-hmm. that um, there's no reason to believe that in this case, when it's something that is designed to empower and enhance our lives mm-hmm. spiritually, psychologically, culturally, that it would not be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. All right. Another question that people want to know. What's the estimated cost for an average family to trace their African ancestry? So the good news about our test is that it only takes one test to get answers for an entire branch of your family tree. So I'll use your family for it as an example. When Aisha, when you took the test, to trace your mother's, 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 mother's line going back 500 to 2,000 years. Mm-hmm. Those results are the same from ev- for everyone in your family who descends from your mother, who descends from your grandmother, who descends from your great-grandmother. So that's all of you who are living today and all the future generations right. of those, those descendants. And one test is $299. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to trace the ancestries of multiple branches of your family tree, for example, in your family, Aisha, when we traced your father's paternal ancestry, father to father to father, right. going back, um, then that's a second test that's required, and there are discounts when you purchase more than one test. So if you get one test, it's there two ninety nine, and if you were to get two tests, they would be two seventy nine, two seventy five each. Okay. And I might say, I might add, because the people, those same people, might want to know why does it cost so much. <laughs> but it's cheaper than a pair of designer shoes. Mm-hmm. It's cheaper than a pair of Jordans. It's cheaper than <laughs> those bags we carry. Than the nights out at concerts or at dinner. So there's a value associated with the information and the fact that we are not selling or sharing your DNA. Right. And it's priceless. Like it is absolutely priceless. Um, On my father's side, we did the African ancestry um, test as well. And this is one thing that I'll share with the people that want to know is that as a family, we all contributed to the pot. And so if you have a family that's interested, you know, once everybody chips in a little bit here and there, you can reach, you know, that total amount um, to cover that cost. And so it doesn't have to be a burden on one individual. Um, Mm -hmm. So the last question that we chose uh, that the people want to know is that um, if Africans in the diaspora were to go back to Africa today, to become a part of a nation, uh, where would be an ideal place for them to go? Oh, wow. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, Africans in the diaspora are flocking to Ghana right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are buying property. They are investing in businesses. They are joining scores of expats our elders who have been there for decades. 
Um, and so I would say Ghana is a good place to consider because it's an English-speaking country, because there is a large Af- African-American um, expat community there already, um, and Ghana is the gateway to West, West Africa, and so they make, they're very welcoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would also say that in the country of Sierra Leone, which is also in West Africa, they now offer citizenship to people who take our test and receive Sierra Leonean results, the Mende people, the Kemeni people, the Limba people, and the such. And so having citizenship in a country makes it much easier for you to go home Mm -hmm. and to do those things, to invest by property, establish homes, and that kind of thing. I think that, and they also are English-speaking countries. So I would say for us, the places that people feel very much at home are in West African countries, and those would be two places that would be ideal. I also know that there are a number of people who are enjoying their lifestyles in East Africa, in countries like Kenya, which, um, you know, have very... um, what, what will I say? Mm, I don't want to say it the wrong way, but who have well-developed cities and, and you can go to places that are familiar because they're similar to what we experience here in the U.S. from an urban perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that, those are my recommendations. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. We appreciate you taking this time to spend with us today and answering some very important questions that I'm sure our listeners needed the answers to. So um, we're going to close out the interview, but I would like to ask you how people can keep up with you and follow you and what's going on with African ancestry. So if you could tell us both. Sure. So you can follow us at AfricanAncestry.com. We're on Instagram at African Ancestry, YouTube at African Ancestry DNA, Facebook. Um, and I encourage you to follow us and to join our email list because we're in the middle of a world tour. So to celebrate our 20th anniversary, we're traveling to 16 cities mm. in eight countries on four continents. Wow. And... Yeah, it's a lot, but it's exciting. And so we're we're going to be in cities like Oakland and Atlanta, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Chicago, Houston. We already did D.C. Uh, so we'll be in a city near you, most likely, and we'd love to have your The Seeds of Revolution family join us in the cities where they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so all that information is on our socials and on our website. Well, thank you so much. And you guys heard it here, AfricanAncestry.com. Be sure to keep up with what's going on, where they will be next in a city near you, so you can learn more and find out more Mm -hmm. and know your roots, know where you come from. Begin your journey of of self-discovery, of ancestral discovery. It is, is vital. Spital. And it's amazing. Yes. Thank Can I just say thank you all? Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for this podcast and for the work that you do individually 
and collectively. I really do appreciate it. And I, of course, have made myself uh, one of your honorary sisters. Yes, you <laughs> are. Revolution. We love yes. you so much, Gina. Thank you. Thank you, Gina. We Thank appreciate you. you. What a joy that was. Yes. Having Dr. Gina Page. So um, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been enjoying just following that journey of African ancestry um, since I was introduced to it a, a very short while ago, yes. 2020, during the pandemic. Um, so thanks again to, to Gina for sharing your energy and your knowledge and experience with us. Yes, we appreciate you. So continuing along the uh, the theme of the people want to know, we had um, a few other questions that we wanted to just take a few minutes to address. And um, we'll start with one question, um, and that is uh, how to decolonize the black mind. Mm. That's a big one. Very big. <laughs> and I think we, we spoke to it, you know, in the conversation with, with Dr. Page. And that is, you know, beginning with um, knowledge of self. Yes. You know, knowledge of self. And because this person said the black mind um, in particular, as African people, you know, we know that we hail from the continent of Africa. Right. So that knowledge of self, you know, it can begin. I mean, you can decide where it begins in terms of like, you know, your current, you know, identities that you hold, whether that be socioeconomic, your geographic identity, um, you know, your family, your immediate family, but uncovering and understanding, you know, the, the roots that hail from the continent of Africa, you know, is, is, is a start, is a, is a, Something that you can just continue to do and until the day that you take your last breath, yeah. because there's so much to uncover. There's so much to learn. There's so much that has been, as Dr. Page articulated, um, deliberately hidden, you deliberately, know, um, yes. from us and deliberately distorted also. So it's it's a lifetime. I'll, I'll just start with that is that, you know, decolonizing the black mind is an endeavor um, that that you'll be engaged with for the duration of your lifetime. You know, if, if you decide to embark on that journey, you know, just as we said before, um, with the journey of, you know, finding balance for oneself, it, that's a lifelong endeavor. It is. And it starts with knowledge of self and knowledge of the birthplace of humanity. Yes. <laughs> and that is the continent of Africa. That's right. Very important. Mm -hmm. And so the other question, I'm, I'm such a professor too. I, there's so much more <laughs> that could be said on that. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll put together a little reading list <laughs> and, and you can follow um, our Daughters of the Whirlwind Facebook page and or Seeds of Revolution and I'll post it there. Uh, we'll come together actually um, as the Daughters and, and put together something for folks. Yes. The other question is, what are your thoughts on the term woke? And do you think this term is being used as a racial slur? Oh, I don't think it's being used as a racial slur. I wouldn't go that far. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's being used a lot just because people like the way it sounds, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. 
um, like, what does it really mean to be woke? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that, you know, mm-hmm. a little facetiously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm woke. Does mm-hmm. that mean you woke up this morning? Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you are awakened after yesterday, last night? Mm-hmm. What does it really mean? Mm-hmm. Um, to be woke in the way that I think it's trying to be used or the way it was asked um, is to have knowledge of self, knowledge of what's happening in the world, mm-hmm. um, uh, knowledge of things that people are doing that try to diminish mm-hmm. uh, your ability to be and stay woke. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it means a lot. It could mean mm-hmm. a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But I don't think everybody fully grasp what it means Mm -hmm. to truly be woke. Mm -hmm. Like we like to say that we are, but you can't be woke without being informed, without studying, without talking, without um, learning something new every day. Mm -hmm. Like you can be a woke individual in your mind, but there's always something for you to learn. Um, Nobody you know, is so smart that they can't learn something from talking to someone, from reading a book, um, from listening to people, listening to podcasts, listening to to speeches, listening, you know, to, you know, leaders that we had, you know, years ago that are still impacting our lives today. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that were talked about, you know, during the civil rights era and different things, all of all of these things still apply today, mm-hmm. um, but it's just a matter of how people choose to deal with it and how we're learning and how we're teaching our children as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think a part of that question, too, uh, the person asked if the term was being co-opted. And I think you're right on point, Aisha, with just the the fact that people are defining woke in so many different ways mm-hmm. um, and everybody has a different definition of what it is. Right. Because certainly, you know, I know you and I are 16 years apart. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> we still came up, you know, together. Yes. And I know coming up, you know, we may have used it differently, but I know that we had a mutual understanding of right, what it of meant what it coming means. up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Yeah, like around maybe 10 years ago or so. And then certainly most recently it's shifted and it's become co-opted. Right. Um, and I so think so many woke folks. Yes. And so many folks using it and it's a part of, you know, mm-hmm. popular culture now. Mm-hmm. And I think what this person is is possibly referring to because they talked about it possibly being a um, a dog whistle in the political arena. Um I do think in some ways it is being used as a synonym for black, you know, or a synonym for um, people who have consciousness around, you know, diversity, around equity, around, you know, transformative justice, people who are actively seeking to challenge the status quo and create, you know, a new way of being, a new way of living and, and new systems. Um, so in that regard, yes, I think it is being used. It's being co-opted and it's being used to challenge, you know, and even in some ways dismantle, you know, programs, Mm -hmm. 
there's a new bill in Ohio, for example, that's uh, very loaded in terms of utilizing that term and attempting to prevent programs like Africana studies, um, programs like ethnic studies, sexuality and gender studies from even existing, you know, and they're utilizing that term woke as a way to say that, yeah, we don't want students to be woke. Right. And going back to some of the definitions that you provided. Yes, we do. (laughs) We, We want people in the world to be conscious. Mm -hmm. And that is the purpose of education, you know, is to awaken people, to have people think, you know, think critically and to have new ways of of being and looking at life and understanding the world around them. So, yeah, that's that's what I think is happening. Some of what is happening with the term woke. I agree. So thank you so much for these questions. Um, We will be asking out again to get some more questions from you all. But thank you so much for, you know, engaging with us and asking these very important questions. Um, We always look forward to them. Yes, we do. Yes. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we appreciate each and every one of you. Mm -hmm. And thank you for your time. Yes, yes. You have been listening to Seeds of Revolution, Daughters of the Whirlwind Podcast. See you next time. Yay. Peace and love. Look for me in the world.